Good morning out there to everyone in the internet slash podcast world that is looking for a spiritual feeding or enlightenment or whatever your needs are. This is the place to get them. It may not come as what you think, but it will come. So, thank you for tuning in to another Crimson Flow Biblecast. I'm your host, Nathan. And today, we are going to continue our journey through the book of John. We're in chapter 5 now. Now, if you tuned in last week, we covered the wonderful story of the woman at the well where Jesus revealed himself to the first person in private in a miraculous way. He revealed himself to her, just spilling her secrets to her that only she and a few select people would know, but this, to her, this stranger automatically knew everything about her. I mean, it doesn't say what all he told her. It really talks about the husbands. But I mean... It says, he says other things about her. So it just, like, it makes you wonder what all he said about her that made her just go like, this has got to be, this has got to be him, you know? So, now we're continuing in five, and there's a couple other miracles, and a lot of stuff that Jesus is saying, we got a lot of red letter text. So... When I'm recording this, I just want to give you all a heads up. It's cold. Okay. This temperature in this area went from 85 to 20, like it's seen a state trooper. I'm not kidding. Whew. So if you all hear my air unit in the background is trying to heat my house, I figured it would have clicked off by now. It's horribly cold. Not in the house. It's livable. But outside, it is cold. So, before we get into this, uh, as... I I don't want to say tradition, because... I don't feel like it's traditional. I feel like God leads me to do this. I do an opening prayer. to Because we, we need the power of the Spirit. You know, we all need the power of the Spirit. Me, you... Your neighbor, because we're nothing without God. And a lot of people tend to ignore that. So, let us pray. Father, we come before you today in in humility and humble meekness. We ask that you guide us through your word, and that the pages and words in the text jump out at us. They change us, they transform us. We ask that you bring your spirit upon me as I teach the people that's listening. And that my words, my fleshly words, do not come out. But only words sent straight from you. And that I do not mislead. But you lead the people in the direction they need to go. For you are the truth and the light, the only way to heaven. 
I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so now we're just going to keep on going. And we'll start off at verse 1, chapter 5 of the book of John. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem, by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, or the language, Bethesda, having five porches. I'm just assuming that's what that means. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for a moving of the water. So this basically kind of just takes me to a, it's like a healing pond. And, of course, we'll find out in just a second why I say that. I kind of just went through before this and kind of skimmed what was going to happen here and I kind of always good to do that kind of gives you a look out and it helps with the introduction too but all these people that are laying around this pool they have handicaps some a lot more um a lot more severe than others i mean there were all sorts of handicapped people there they were blind and and one that's not used a lot a word um to mean severely disabled or maybe even paralyzed even, which is the word halt. Of course, you know, now we say paralyzed, which I'm sure comes from some kind of Greek or Latin word. But right here, they use the word halt. And then there's withered, which to me, I think I would see that as meaning, you know, they were very deformed even from birth. And then it says they were waiting on a move of the water. They were waiting on an act of God. So then it says, For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. And then whosoever then first at the troubling of the water was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. So these people were waiting around this healing pond because they knew at a certain point an act of God, which was through the angel, would come down, stare this water, and the first person to go for it means, to me, that means they truly believed that they would be healed through God. And they were. I mean, and it says, and a certain man was there which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. 38 years he'd been living with this condition. And it says, When Jesus saw him lie, meaning he was laying there, and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, been there forever, couldn't move, you know, maybe he was paralyzed, maybe he was withered where he couldn't walk or anything. So Jesus saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? Like, why don't you make an effort to go? You're laying here. You know these are happening. Why don't you make an effort? So the man, the impotent man, answered him, Sir, I have no man 
when the water is troubled, to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. And I see this as Jesus knowing him telling the truth. Because Jesus knows everything. He knows when we're lying. He knows when we're telling the truth. He knows when even an honest fib or a little white lie, which is just as bad as the regular ones. So when this guy says to him, I try, but where I'm so disabled, I try to make my move, and I can't. So that means, or that tells me that this guy's been laying there so long, and he's been passed up so many times, simply because, you know, there's new people, like, say, new blindness, or new people that has a new paralysis or whatever. They've come to lay next to this well or pool. And they still make it to the moving of the water before he does. So when he tells Jesus this, Jesus answers and says unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately, immediately, the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Now, here comes the big problem in the time. You have to think about this area. When it was the Sabbath, the, the Sabbath was observed kind of almost like a lot of Christians observe it today. You don't work. You don't do anything. It's the day of rest. Going back all the way to the uh, book of Genesis where it says on the seventh day God rested so so in turn this guy taking up his bed and walking is more of a symbol of like he got up and started going to work then it says the Jews therefore said unto him that was cured it is the Sabbath day it is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed I guess apparently you weren't supposed to do anything on the Sabbath day. Just lay around and do nothing. I mean, that's what I'm getting from this. But, he answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. The guy that healed me told me to take up thy bed and walk. I've been laying here for 38 years the guy that just made me whole, I mean, like, he just healed me, brought me out of nothing, like, I am a brand new person. He told me to take up my bed and walk. I'm going to take up my bed and walk. I mean, that's just what he's saying here. Of course, you know, they were a little bit more civilized back then in the way they talked than what I just said. But here, the Jews have an issue with this. Then asked they him, which means they turned around and said, what man is that that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Which basically goes to say he just kind of made himself invisible for a while. You know, just kind of pulled himself out just to kind of see his reaction, see what would happen. 
And then also it says, and he that was healed wist not who it was. So I'm, I'm guessing that just basically, and I feel like that's basically it says that he didn't say. But then it says, Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. It's like, look, dude, I've done this for you. Don't sin anymore. Or what's going to come to you is going to be a lot worse. And here I believe he was prophesying. I don't really know if you could say prophesying. Well, he was, but, you know, it's him that do does it, so it's he knows what's going to happen. But he's basically saying, like, you sin now, and I'm going to cast you into the lake of fire. Which is obviously worse than what has been going on with this guy. At least he was alive. So then it says, the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus. So then he tells the Jews it was Jesus that said this, which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him. Because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. Keep in mind, in as of my knowledge, the Jews just simply believed that the Messiah has not came yet. They believe it's going to be somebody more spectacular than Jesus. They, I don't even think they deny Jesus. They believe he was here. But they don't believe he was the Messiah. They believe he died for us. But I think they see him as more of a prophet. But obviously we have a lot bigger view on that. And I think it's a lot better view if you ask me. So now these the Jews are going after Jesus because this guy is breaking all the laws. You know, tell him to work on Sabbath. And then he's taught, you know, the woman in the well, he was talking to a woman without her husband around. Yada, yada, yada. He's just basically just breaking the traditions. They're not, see, I don't consider them laws. They're traditions that became laws. And it just goes to show if man does it, it'll fall. But if God does it, nothing can come against it. But it says here, it says, But Jesus answered them, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. Basically saying, I'm doing what my Father, or my Father's business. As He works, I work. Because the Father and the Son are one. And it says, Therefore the Jews sought to, more to kill Him. Because He not only had broken the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal to God. And that kind of goes back to what I said about the father and the son are one. So this this really just kind of made them even more angry. Like They just like had this rage burning because that's Satan. Satan, Lucifer, the devil. Let's, let's just call him the devil. I don't want to feel like I'm giving him any gratitude by calling him Satan because there are Satan worshippers out there sadly enough so the devil wants nothing more than to rid Jesus or God out of everybody's life on earth and it boils down to this God cast him out he's mad 
So he wants to take as many people down with him as he can. Just so, in his mind, God doesn't get any glory. But I hate to tell him this, my friend. God gets all the glory in the end. Because I've read the chapters, for the most part, in the book of Revelations. It don't end well for him. So, to me, this says God wins in the end. So, to speak, the spirit of the evil one is in these people, and that's why they're so enraged at Jesus. Just the thought of, and I'm, and before I go on, I'm not saying that the Jews are filled with the spirit of the evil one, because the Jews are God's people. The Jews are God's people. They were from the beginning. But as humans do, we, we tend to let the spirit of the evil one that causes anger, rage, aggression, over various events in our life, we let it build up. And, and this is basically what's happening here. Instead of just letting it go, these people bonded together and bound together. And they were like, we've got to take this guy out. He's, he's going against every one of our belief systems. So like it says here, they sought more to kill him. It just made it even worse. But now he's saying that God was his father. At this point, the Jews were like, the Messiah is not going to, supposed to come right now. And also they didn't, you know, of course, obviously they didn't believe he was going to come the way Jesus did. So they're, they're just kind of, flabbergasted by this and they just don't want to believe it so then it says in verse 19 then answered jesus and said unto them verily verily i say unto you the son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the father do for what things soever he doeth these also doeth the son likewise and really that brings out the whole point of like father, like son. And it goes back to that old style of life, old school, if you will, that whatever the father does as a tradition, like or not a tradition, but a uh, skill, tends to be that the son's going to do the same thing. And that still happens a lot today. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that because there are a lot of good professions out there. It happens a lot on farms. You know, the son inherits the farm when the father dies and what he chooses to do with it is taught by the father because if, if if the father the original owner of the farm teaches his son right and shows him truth and reasoning then the son is more likely to carry on in the father's footsteps but that also goes in a bad way too if a son or daughter, I mean, I'm not trying to be gender-specific here. They see their parents doing certain things. They're going to, they're more likely, I'm not going to say they are. They're more likely to grow up doing the same things that they've seen their father doing. Or their mother. Or just like um, if a child goes grows up in a religious home. Are they going to definitely grow up religious? You can't 
say that they will. You pray that they will. You hope that they will. But they're more likely. Just like um, kids growing up and abused, drug addicted, you know, alcoholic homes, broken homes. Are they going to grow up definitely to be exactly like their parents were? Not necessarily, but they're more likely to. So, I mean, that just kind of goes with what he's saying here. He's like, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. Because if that's all he's ever been taught, then that's all he's ever going to know. But then it says, for what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the son likewise. Kind of just reiterates what I just said. If, if, if the son, all he sees his father do is one thing, then he's then the son's going to do it likewise. I mean, like father, like son, it's just kind of reiterating that. And then it says, For the father loveth the son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. And this is Jesus saying, God's showing me all these things. God's working through me. Because him and he and I are one, together, inseparable, because I am God in the flesh, basically. And I have many things to show you a lot greater. Greater is to come. It's basically what he's saying here. And ye will be amazed. It's basically what he, he is saying there. For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. He's saying, I will raise people, souls, so to speak, from the dead. And by dead, it means full of sin, full of trespasses. And, and the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. So, I mean, that's what it's saying here. Jesus gives us life, and life more abundantly. And until we receive the gift of life from Jesus, we are dead. Dead in our sins, dead in our trespasses, dead in our aggressions, dead in everything. We are just like uh, the story of the Valley of the Dry Bones. In the book of Ephesians, I think it's chapter 2, it says, For he hath quickened them that were dead and in their trespasses and sins. So he's just saying, the Father done this, I'm doing this too, because I am the Father in flesh. And it says, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. And this part can be controversial. But I'm just going to take it for exactly what it says, and I think that's, that's an issue in Christianity today. We want to think that a lot of the Bible is metaphoric, when a lot of times it's just straightforward. It says, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. And the reason why I say he done this is because Jesus was the sacrificial lamb. Jesus has the same belief system as God because him and God are one. So in the end, when the great throne judgment comes, 
Jesus is going to be the one judge, and then he will have the same belief system as God, fair, just. He's not going to judge one one way and then let somebody else buy with it the next just because they had a quote-unquote reason. No, he's going to be, you done it, sorry for your luck. So he's going to be the one judging us because he is the one who died for us. But at the same time, like I said, he's going to have the same belief system of the Father. So what he died for will be upon his mercy and his say-so, being one with God on the same opinions so that everyone, every soul will get a fair judgment and equal trials, so to speak. And then it says that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which hath sent him. It's like, man, you cannot honor Pappy if you don't honor me. Because I am just as important as he is. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Like I said, he brings souls from death in their sins to life, and life more abundantly. And honestly, I feel like this, what he's saying here, is more for the people that may you know, may not live to see his coming again, or not coming again, but uh, his resurrection, his death, you know, and, and see the true preaching of the gospel and may not... I think this is more of a message just to the Jews from Jesus. And it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. So, he's starting to prophesy he's starting to preach his works are beginning to unfold the part and the chapter of the earth so to speak is beginning to open up to a whole new dimension metaphorically about belief systems and spirituality for as the father hath life in himself so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. He put himself in flesh, made a fleshly version of himself to come to the earth, and gave himself life just to fulfill the prophecy. And hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. It goes back to what I said earlier about him being the one judging us in the end. And I'm not getting that from pre-reading this text. I, like I said, I basically skimmed over it because my ADD won't allow me to focus until I do it like this through this podcast. So, I'm getting that from the book of Revelations. Open it up, read it sometime. It's fascinating stuff. But remember, it's all prophetical, meaning it's going to happen. And we're seeing it happen from our very own eyes. And we'll we'll do a, a, a covering over that. I know I mentioned uh, at the very, very, very first episode that I was going to cover the end. And I think maybe after the John series, we may get to that. That'll be, that'll be exciting. 
because there's a lot of stuff that happens in it that, I mean, it's hard to understand at first, but I think slowing it down and breaking it up like this will help us all understand more because I need to understand just as much as you do. And I think a lot of times preachers like to hold themselves higher than the people, which in a sense, they're in the position, but they are just a sinner saved by the grace of God like everybody else. Okay? So we all learn from the text, even preachers, whether they, they admit it or not. And it says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. It's going to the time that you we talk about in Revelations when the dead in Christ shall rise. When he calls the dead up, everybody that was in Christ, that believed in him, that called upon his name, that, that sought his forgiveness, that hears his voice, in the end will rise up. They, they will hear his voice as he comes back. And then, like I said, and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of the damnation. Basically, great throne judgment, either lake of fire or eternal life. There's no in-betweens, there's no purgatory, there's no middle ground. It's either up or down, so to speak. I can, of mine own self, do nothing as I hear, I judge and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. Same opinion, same judgment, no differences, no, there's no emotions in his judgment. It's all, you done it, did you ask forgiveness, did you receive forgiveness, did my blood get shed and put on this sin to cover it? So that I cannot see it in the end. That's basically what it is. The blood of Jesus, when you ask for forgiveness, is covering all your sins so that Jesus in the end can say, I don't see them. You are pure. And then it says, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. Basically saying he knows he's human. He's God. But he also knows he's human enough that he cannot let himself speak from the mouth, but he has to let himself speak from the eternal being that's inside him. There is another that beareth witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesseth of me is true. And he's talking about John the Baptist. Ye sent unto John, and he bare witness unto the truth. Meaning, he spake the truth. Everything he preached was the truth. But I received not testimony from man, but these things I say that ye might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. And I think that's just going to say, while he was preaching, y'all are like rejoicing, you're, you're worshiping and everything, but once he's gone and out of your area kind of just fall back it says but i have greater witness than that of john for the works which the father hath given me to finish 
the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. So the stuff that I'm getting ready to do is what he's saying is so miraculous that it will only be known that it is from God on high. And that and we all know that eventually leads to the reason he gets caught and the reason the kings and everything are really just out there to get him. And the Father himself, which hath sent me, hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. The only people that had ever seen God in natural form is Adam and Eve before they took upon the fruit. He then left and cursed the land. And he was never seen in natural form on the earth again. He came in dreams. He, he showed his backside to Moses. Not his face. His backside. And this was also at the same time Moses was getting hit with... Uh, I think God threw a rock at him or something. And it, he kind of just got hit and turned away. But he saw out of the corner of his eye the backside of God. And they said when he came off that mountain, he was glowing. Glowing so bad they had to put a bag over him because they were blinded. And that's just how much the glory of God, the glory burns us. You know, it's just like, it's like throwing a glow stick on you, you know. And also it says we've not heard his voice. Now, we hear God talking to us at all, all times, but we've not heard his natural voice like speaking from face to face. It sounds like we do, but it's really his voice through the Holy Spirit that he puts in our spirit, our souls, or minds and hearts. And it also says he has borne witness of me, basically going back to the thought or the system of he's an all-knowing God. Like um, it says that before ye were in the womb, I knew you. You know, he knew us before we were even born, so he knew that he knew the works that he was going to have to do on the earth in the flesh way before they even happened. He had it all planned out, basically. And it says, And ye have not his word abiding in you, for whom he hath sent, him ye believe not. So it's like saying, you don't believe me. Because he sent me, and you don't believe me. Then it says, search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me, that ye might have life. I receive not honor from men. And I think in all this, he's wanting us to realize that he may be the judge. He may be the decider. He may be the sacrificial lamb. But it's all in the glory of God and all in the will of the Father that all these things are taking place so everything goes to him 
but at the same time, I, and I know it sounds confusing, but at the same time, Jesus is God. Jesus is Lord. And then he goes on to say, I receive not honor from men, basically saying, I don't care what y'all think. All I care about is what my father thinks. And then he says, but I know you, that ye have not the love of God in you. He's like, I know you all. You're not followers of God. True followers of God anyway. I am come in my father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. It's like you're not going to believe that I am the Father, but you know, you'll know you believe somebody else is. How can ye believe which ye receive honor one of another, and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, which is the devil, even Moses, in whom ye trust, he even accused. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. He did prophesy of Jesus, the coming of Jesus. But if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? It's like if you're not going to believe all the prophecies and all the teachings of the past, you're not going to believe me because I teach the same things. I reiterate them. I parabolize them. You know, that's what he does. So if you're not going to believe the teachings of old, which are the same as the teachings of today, the true teachings, there was a lot of false prophets, and there is and there will be to come. But the true teachings, if you're not going to believe the old ones, you're not going to believe the new ones. That's basically what he's saying. So that ends chapter 5 of the book of John. And I want to thank you all for tuning in. Be sure to share this with uh, friends, family, anybody you think needs to learn the scripture, learn the word of God, in truth, piece by piece, broken down for all to understand. And I hope you enjoy this. I hope you feel spiritually fed. And I pray that you all come back and listen again next Sunday for another episode of Crimson Flow Biblecast. Thank you all. God bless you. See you next Sunday.